Hey, hey, hey. What's up? What's up, guys? Everybody there? We're back. Let's do it. MJ Day yet again. It is, uh, is you, can you guys get the theme music? Oh, is it working? Nice. It's working. It's working. All right. Well, uh, welcome back to Six Pains Podcast. We're glad you guys could join us again on our video pods. Uh, this episode is brought to you by our friends over at Loan Factory and our buddy Billy Nguyen. Uh, he's got about 14, 15 years of experience. Um, and his team is ready to uh, give you quotes on financing or refinancing your homes, giving you great loan rates. Um, they're based out of Dallas, Texas. Loan Factory, though, is a national company. Uh, to reach Billy, you can uh, contact him on their website, facebook.com slash loanfactoryhq, uh, also loanfactory.com. And Billy's phone number is 469-585-4498. Uh, they're ready to give you the best rates, advice. Um, and then go to a number of different lenders, 40 or so different lenders. And so they'll make sure to get you the best possible rates for financing or refinancing your home. Once again, that's Billy Nguyen at 469-585-4498. They've been a great sponsor for us and we really appreciate them. So check them out. All right, guys. Uh, we are back for MJ parts three and four that, that aired this past Sunday. Uh, we're, we're recording this on Wednesday. It took us a couple days to finally finally get back. Uh, as predicted, the episodes were about the worm, about Rodman and Phil. It made sense. It's kind of the um, the next two biggest characters. Uh, and then it kind of goes back to the bad boys time and leading up to the first championship for MJ and the Bulls. So first thoughts, Albie and Mock. Uh, let's go Albie first. What did you think of the two episodes uh, this past weekend? So they were really good. I would say in terms of like captivating they were a step below one and two but that's i think that's just normal because one and two is like oh my god this is brand new um but it was really cool because i i remember so i've done like probably five to ten like score reports on michael jordan growing up <laughs> but i did one i actually did one on dennis ronman because he's from Dell. so i was like okay i i was really looking forward to this episode because i kind of knew a little bit of about his backstory but um it was cool to see and i mean the worm like what kind of nickname is that like, that's crazy it's a perfect perfect nickname like, uh, how, like what, what makes a basketball player worm like uh, i don't know if there's a better way to describe him uh, yeah definitely he's definitely <laughs> unique definitely one of a kind uh i don't get all the hate for like i don't know if you guys saw like bill simmons tweet saying he's not interesting or or whatever this past week uh but Rodman has always been like very captivating. Uh, he's I specifically remember, you know, back in the day, uh, following the news about his wedding and and all that stuff <laughs> when he married himself. Uh, but th- these two episodes were amazing. Uh, there's a couple parts I I didn't like the time jump that we talked about before last time. Uh, but I get it to focus on Rodman. Like they went from like 88 to like 95 when when they traded for Rodman. Uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm excited to talk about this one because I mean, a lot went on leading up to Jordan's first championship, right? Yeah. I, I don't know. I'm kind of in between. Uh, de- definitely not as good as the first two episodes, not as mm-hmm. captivating like we talked about. I, I don't think it was boring either. I think Rodman definitely is a character unlike any other that we've ever seen. And he is, he is for sure interesting. I just wish I would have learned more about him in this, ep- in these episodes. Like I, th- they were supposed to be more Rodman centric, I guess. And they, they did touch on him a lot in terms of his background and then the, the piss and stuff. And then what happened um, in the last season, taking the break and going to Vegas. But I just feel like there could have been more, like, I feel like I could have heard way more about him than 
uh, than yeah. they really give him credit yeah, for. So, so like the the news outlets or the sports channel outlets actually interviewed Ron Min leading up to this episode, and I yeah, caught yeah. um and he said that it was gonna be ninety five percent me, and I was expecting like like you, I was weak <laughs> yeah, more Dennis Rodman, <laughs> but I mean it's it was still Michael Jordan centric, which is justified. Um, but it was just I don't know like I wish we. Okay, another thing I wanted to nitpick about episodes three and four is obviously the rivalry with Detroit was huge. It was very physical. The Bad Boy Pistons, Jordan Rules, all of that. There is a book called Jordan Rules that I read back in the day. Um, but I wish they like got into it more, like more game pitch, yeah. right? Because yeah. a lot of that stuff we already see, we've seen all throughout our lives growing up. If not, we've seen it on YouTube videos. But I wanted to see like, never before seen you know on the floor videotape so that we can actually kind of feel how physical it was like it's to me it was it's still a uh, projection it wasn't like this is proof that it was very physical of course there were like really hard fouls and I think the biggest difference between like that era and this era is those hard fouls were not technicals and flagrants I feel like we still have hard fouls today. It's just those are now technicals and flagrants. Yeah, I mean, they always show the montages, right? So you see, like, hard foul after hard foul every single time. Uh, you know, like, we would have to watch the whole games to see exactly how often that's happening. And, you know, we see all the hard, all the worst ones, but are, is it always like that? It um, would have been nice to, to get a little bit more about that. And then, like, they, they go in depth about MJ putting on 15 pounds of muscle um, after the yeah. 80, after the 90 season. It's like they lost to the Pistons three years in a row or like four years in a row. It's like, what? why did he wait that long to start putting on the muscle? Like, it seems like he should have figured that out after like the first year, maybe. Just a different era, right? Nobody really yes. waits. Yeah. Yeah, I guess. Timmy, I am curious on like Rodman's individual accolades. So if you can look that up on the side, you might already have it. Um, but I did, I did want to point out. This is kind of like a negative thing, and I tweeted it, and it's, it's, it really seems like I'm hating on Michael Jordan, but I just want to, like, portray both sides or the entire picture. So that, that season, 89 playoffs, um, you know, they, they dove really deeply into it and how, like, that was the last step before Jordan, Jordan can, like, or last hurdle before Jordan, like, started winning. Um, but just like any superstar, just like Kobe Game 7 against Phoenix – just like LeBron's weird episode with Delonta West and his mom, Harden's recent weird episodes. Like Jordan also had really strange episodes in the playoffs as well. So that series in 89, forgot the exact score and time and whatever, but it was the series was tied 2-2. Chicago wasn't supposed to win, but it was 2-2 going back to Detroit. It was a really big deal. Doug Collins, his last year as coach, um, but Jordan, in 46 minutes, shot eight field goal attempts. I mean, if you think about James Harden today, and it's arguably the biggest game of Jordan's career, professional career, and James Harden comes out and, sh- and only shoots the ball eight times, you're going to be like, WTF, like, what is he doing? Is he Does he have another con- con- concussion? Is he hungover? Like, whatever, right? But Jordan did have that same episode, and that's, a game directly after, which in game four, he went five for 15. So those two games, he actually had a pretty poor stretch. Um, so I just wanted is, to point is, out. Is that the year that it stretched to the game seven migraine game? 
That was, it might have been, it might have been Pippin's Game 7 migraine, I don't remember, but um, I just, I just want, yeah, the only reason why I bring that up, and of course we all revere Jordan, but there are lapses throughout his career, and I think like as time goes on, those lapses are not highlighted as much. Jeez, what a hater. That's why I just <laughs> point it out. Um, so, so that was the year before, it's, I'm looking up now, so 1989, um, is the year that uh, that he he had the five for fifteen in a four of eight game? Yeah, really bad. Migraine was was the next year that they that they gotcha. lost in game seven right before the um, yeah that was the Scotty migraine game. Good, great points. Um, I thought you were gonna ask about Rodman's stats. Are you interested in that? I want to know more about Rodman and like how many All Star games did that guy make? Because I don't think he he was on Not the All two. two and both with Detroit, two. right? None with Chicago. I believe so. I don't know. He was a defensive player of the year with Detroit. I mean, he averaged 18 rebounds a game with Detroit um, his last couple of years after the championship. So in the championship years, I don't think he was even starting. Um, and and he was just like their their sixth man, the hustle guy off the bench, was super pretty normal guy. And then after that is when he exploded, started playing more in 40 minutes game and, and 18 boards. He is a very unique player, like Mox said, one of a kind, one one in a kind, and. You know, if you fast forward Rodman to 2020, you know, we wouldn't consider him, I don't know, like a head case. We would just peg like, you know, ment- like mental anguish or what? what is Kevin Love and DeMar DeRozan, what are they big on right now? Is um, Just mental just, health. Yeah, mental health, like bipolar disorder. And back then yeah, it was yeah. like considered crazy. Now, like maybe Rodman would have been able to manage it a little better. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it's just it was so much of a shock, right? It's it's 30 years before or 25 years after all the other guys with all the tattoos or all the crazy hair and all the, you know, yeah. the mental health issues really coming out. So that, that's kind of the um, I think that's the crux of it is that it was just before anything else. And he was unlike anybody else out there. But I, I like how you guys are talking about um, what you thought of him then, because that's what I was thinking about as I was watching this, like in 96, 97, 98. I remember around that time I was. uh we're between like 12 to 15 years old or so and i would um i would get like uh sports illustrated magazines in the mail um and i would i would do this thing where i would cut out like the coolest pictures of basketball players and like put them on like something like on a poster board or something so i'd have all these different cutouts and the the few there's like several of rodman there remember like where he's sprawled out jumping with the ball or when he's just like grabbing a rebound both hands in the air. He's just like so cool looking, even though he's like a head case and kind of crazy. And the other thing that was awesome was seeing the the black um, alternate jerseys for the first time here. Uh, or I don't know if that's first time, but they showed it a lot more in this episode where I remember mm-hmm. when that came out too. Those were just incredible jerseys. Black pinstripe. Yeah. 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 I actually met, uh, not met, but I, I saw Rodman in, in a bar in LA before. Uh, what? Where was I? It, I, I, that's what I was trying to remember. I was just looking back at my old pictures and I, I mean, I was there for, uh, this is orientation for my first job, uh, in LA and they took us to a Sparks game and all that. And we went out a couple of nights with like our mm. incoming class. And yeah, we saw, we saw Rodman there, but looking at his stats now, like my first memory, um, of just basketball in general was 94 playoffs. Uh, so my first memory of Rodman is actually from like his Spurs days. So yeah. like 94, 95. Uh, and looking at his numbers now, they pop off the screen. This was in the middle of his like seven year run leading the league in rebounds. Yeah. We're talking 19, 19, 
17.3, 17 rebounds average a game. That like that that is insane to me. Uh, but even still, like I'm comparing his stats and I'm trying to think like who would his basketball equivalent be today? Someone like a Rodman. First person that came to mind for me was Ben Wallace, but obviously he's not active anymore. Uh, and just comparing the two, I'm like I'm I'm glad Rodman's in the Hall of Fame, but it, it's it's kind of crazy that Wallace Ben Wallace hasn't made it yet. Or, or Ben Wallace in? is like a is like four time Defensive Player of the Year, right? Yeah, how four did, time. How has he not made it. He will I make mean, the, the rings. The rings are there, obviously, for Rodman. But but I guess uh, back to my original question, like today's NBA, is there any comparison to to a Rodman type? Um, NBA. I mean, no, there's not going to be any, any good comparison. I mean, it, it, I think when you think of Rodman, there's like several things, right? So one is the rebounding, the the obvious one. Obviously, he read he led the league in rebounds for seven years in a row. Um, but it's the defense too. Like he was so uh, versatile defensively. So it's got to be like somebody who could play big and small, but then somebody who also just doesn't even care about offense at all. And that just doesn't happen anymore in this league. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then thirdly is kind of the eccentric side of him, where it's just a totally different story, right? So. You could probably find somebody who can rebound him like him, or not like him, but uh, approximate some of the rebounding numbers. But it's just not the same way that he did it with his energy and the motor and stuff. Like I think somebody mentioned like a like a Kenneth Fareed and his motor, but it's you know there's nothing else about him there. Like you can talk about like Draymond. I think that's kind of an easy comparison in terms of like his role on championship teams, kind of doing everything, defending a bunch of different guys, but not even close to the type of rebounder that Rodman is, right? So one one devil's advocate point. Back in the day, I feel like there were more specialists. So if you yeah. were a rebounder, then the team is going to let you grab all the rebounds. Um, I remember just reading about a story, whether it's Sports Illustrated or maybe the newspaper back in the mid-90s. But they were talking about how like Charles Barkley, a.k.a. the round mound of rebound, if he just had just focus on rebounding, then he could have done the same thing as Rodman. I think at the time, if you look at those same numbers, those same years, early 90s, he was averaging 15 plus as well and mm-hmm. also scoring 25. So like, I feel like from a defensive standpoint, I don't think there's anyone equivalent to Rodman, um, but from a pure rebounding number, like it's really hard to really quantify how great he, he was at it because I mean, numbers-wise, he was great, and I think he's willing to do that dirty work, which makes him great in its own sense. But like someone like a Rodman or someone like a Dwight Howard, if they had just focused on rebounding and that's it, maybe they would have had similar numbers. But when you were asking about you know, who today kind of reminds me of him, and this is purely defense, so versatility, um, also like body shape and the ability to play like 94 feet, and it's like a rookie Kawhi before he started playing offense. I just like, I see Kawhi and I see Dennis Rodman as the same exact defensive player, like hustle. You don't think think Kawhi is more the Pippen? I mean, now because he's more versatile in his game, but like if he had just done defense back then, I was like, man, that's actually very similar to a Rodman. Do you think, uh, uh, hey, you know who the guy is? Is it Ron Artest? Oh, <laughs> meta world peace minus. I mean, he didn't rebound nearly as much, but kind of the craziness, the really hard defense and the mentality. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think rebounding was viewed differently back then in turn as it is now? Like in a lot of ways, I feel like rebounding is under underrated under the radar at this point. Um, I mean, to, to the point where a lot of teams 
go small ball. And, and I mean, I realized like Rodman back then was technically small ball as well playing center, but like a, a team like the Rockets, like you just kind of, you're not relying on one guy. You're just, whoever's there, please try to try to box out, try to get it and start the break. But, um, but it, it kind of brings me back to your point, uh, Albert about specialists, right? Like it's just not, it's and this is where I think we need to give Jerry Cross maybe a little more credit for him to assemble a team of, of that specialists. Speaks for Mark. <laughs> but I mean, if you look at the team, it's like Rodman, you know, defensive or rebounding specialist. You have a Steve Kerr, who's you're right, getting way too much screen time in this documentary. <laughs> but he's 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 just there to shoot some shots. Um, the same same role as Paxson, but Paxson, yeah. it's it's uh. I don't know. Today, like for me, I, I don't feel like I could ever be a good GM because I I have a tendency to focus on the player's weaknesses, right? Like things he can't do. Um, like it's the reason I've hated on Clay for forever. Like I know he can't dribble. Like Katie, I know he can't pass. Like all these things. But it, I think it takes a certain per, type of person to be able to see what – only focus on what a player can bring to the table. Um, and, and that's how we amass this team of specialists that – went on this incredible run right you seem pretty good at you seem pretty good at ignoring russell westbrook's three-pointers still <laughs> he every, doesn't need it for every piece of credit that kraus gets because you're right he is good at bringing in talent um i would say it's easy to bring in talent when you have the most talented player of all time on your team yeah. um but it's really phil jackson that really made all the pieces yeah. work let's together. go to phil let's go to phil uh, like, but no, 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 before we go to Phil, oh, so okay. I, I was just thinking off the cuff. My hypothesis to the rebounding question that Mock posed was, um, I think rebounding today in 2020 is just spread out a lot more, and that's just the geometry of the game now. Everybody's just shooting three-pointers, so you have centers yeah. and stuff out in the perimeter, too, and they're not just by the rim grabbing rebounds. So now the ball is bouncing everywhere, long shots, long rebounds, so you have um, a higher a higher floor of rebounders, right? Mm. But a much lower ceiling because everyone's like around the same number. Um, that's my yeah. hypothesis. I'm just I, thinking. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I'm looking at basketball reference not at rebounds per game, but at rebound percentage. Um, so that's the percentage of shots that go up, right? So then it's it adjusts for the the pace of the era. So Rodman still is like really high up there. Some of the seasons are probably the highest ever, like 29% of all rebounds, which is crazy. And all his seasons are like 25, 26. Um, all the rebounding leaders since then are in the 20s, like low 20s. Okay. Uh, but the last few years, it's it's all still centers getting the rebounds. Drummond has been leading the league. Um, Andre uh, DeAndre Jordan, Marcus Camby a few years before that. But they're all in the kind of 23 to 25 range too. So it's not like far below where Rodman was. Um, Rodman definitely is higher, and it's just the raw number just jumps out so much on the page. So, um, well, I, I I originally asked that question because I'm looking at his basketball reference right now, and and we talked about how he won Defensive Player of the Year twice, right? Yep. Um, and like his his defensive stats, his normal defensive stats, like steals, Not blocks, good. associate. Yeah, he never averaged even Nothing. one yeah. for either yeah. of them. That's uh, weird. The voters, yeah. Props to the voters, and they probably watched the games. Yeah. So my 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 last point about Rodman is you fast forward that type of player to 2020, would he even play today? If he can't shoot, would he even play? Can't yeah, shoot. I mean, ball. Yeah, uh, 
like I just mentioned, the guys, right? Andre Drummond and DeAndre Jordan still play, and Hassan Whiteside. They they play, they get minutes, but they might not be nearly as valuable because they just can't they shoot. And that's they, they play honestly because yeah. they're above seven feet tall. Yeah, but I mean, um, you have other guys that have have played that are that are a little shorter that could rebound, like like a Kenneth Farid. He could still get some minutes out there, right? We know that Draymond can't shoot, but he gets plenty of minutes. The pass. Yeah. I mean, I think Rodman was an underrated passer, too. I mean, anyone can pass to those three shooters. So I'm not going to I'm not going to give Draymond Green credit. It's true. Kevon Looney, Elias, man. All right. Let's let's move on. Let's go to Phil. Um, Before we move on to Phil, let's talk about another one of our sponsors. And that is uh, Derek Shaw at Farmers Insurance. I just reached out to D. Shaw recently to get some quotes on life insurance. Uh, but he's prepared to uh, give you all sorts of quotes on auto, home, or life insurance. Give him a give him a call at 214-729-6462. Don't even need to read the thing anymore. Um, he'll give you a discount, too, if you mention Six Maze Podcast. They also have discounts for various occupations, doctors, nurses. Um, I think attorneys and law enforcement get discounts as well. Um, so once again, give Disha a call or a text. His number is 214 214- 729-6462. Uh, he'll give you a quote, a consultation, uh, all sorts of good advice because he's one of the best guys that we know. So thanks, Disha. He's been uh, our he's our first sponsor. He's been here from the start, so we really appreciate him. He also, right, just, he, he also just beat me in golf this morning, so give him oh. props for that. Ooh. Wow, that's nice. Thanks, thanks, for, thanks for letting him in, man. <laughs> good for yeah. the sponsor. Golfing on a Wednesday morning, that's that's pretty nice. I guess this is podcast on a Wednesday afternoon. So here we go. So Phil, um, I, I think I, I, they, they got a little bit into Phil and kind of where he started, which I really enjoyed. I really liked how they talked about um, how he came into being, like how he was just an assistant that, that Krauss was the guy that brought him in. He's the guy that gave him a chance. Um, I don't think they talked enough about how he blatantly stole Doug Collins' job, though. Did you guys care about that? He definitely, he definitely swindled <laughs> and got his yeah. job. He's he's sidling up with Tex Winter because Kraus wanted the triangle to happen, and so he just picked the guy that would you that can't could do the triangle. Also, you can't hate yeah. on that. Well, I mean, isn't that the same thing that uh, Jason Kidd tried to do a couple years ago? I mean, it it happened. It, it didn't work though. Yeah. I mean, you gotta know what the organization organization wants, right? Like, it, it's crazy to me seeing Doug Collins coach because I mean, I always hear him on those TNT or whatever broadcasts talking about. When I coach Michael, yeah. but, dude, he's sweating like crazy. <laughs> that is insane. Like, yeah. man, they need like dry fit suits for him or something. Like, that's <laughs> that's like Kelvin Cato, Patrick Ewing level, uh, and he's not even on the floor. Cato, wow. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and and the crazy thing I think too um, about that coaching change is that Jordan loved Doug, right? They're they're buddies, and he was a great coach for him, but they just couldn't get past no, the Pistons think, with him. I think I. I fully think that Jordan was part of that swindling as well because if mm. you if you interview Jordan or Jordan's been interviewed since then, but a lot of the talk about giving Doug Collins the Washington Wizards job was to actually like apologize oh. that was like his way of saying sorry for oh, 1989. Wow. Um, but here this is your job because he wasn't really coaching the Wizards too honestly it was it was just Michael Jordan at the time. Wait, wait, when MJ came back and played with the Wizards, Collins was the coach? Yeah. He, he handpicked, yeah. yeah, he handpicked wow. to be his c- coach. But um, going back to 89, 
they talked about like Jordan's accolades or like awards at the time. So like MVP, Defensive Player of the Year, All NBA first time. Like every, he won every single award, right? Yeah. Except the finals. He, they made it to the Eastern Conference Finals, which was somewhat unexpected. I think it was just part of the the arc of the team at the time. Yeah. But then you you can the coach right there. That's crazy. That's huge. Yeah. You credit Jerry for that then. <laughs> Is that a uh, who? That's is that my, what happened to? Uh, that, is that what happened to Scott Brooks? Because Scott Brooks with the Thunder, they made the they made the finals, and I think they made conference finals, or maybe even another one, and then he he got canned, even though he was doing so well. Well, that's different because they what? had they made the finals, so you expect to make it again. Uh, okay, okay, yeah. You fall short. You're yeah. right. You're right. This is like this is the furthest yeah. the Bulls have ever gone. Yeah, this is the coach that took him there, and he's only been coached for what, like a year and a half, eighteen months. Yeah, it's crazy. Poor Dougie. Yeah. Um, I en- I enjoyed watching the stuff about uh, the shot about about Cavs. I love how Ron Har- Ron Harper said that. Um, <laughs> I-, I like his interview where he said that he wanted to guard him, and then he just got pissed off. I got him. Um, <laughs> who who knows what could have happened if he was guarding him? Because we talked about it last week. Ron Harper was a great player at that time. Uh, and then they get into the bad boys, and I think we've gone over the bad boys a bit, but um, I think the Isaiah stuff is really what stood out the most to me and to probably everybody the next day. Isaiah has been all over the news media since there, trying to since then trying to defend himself, saying that he he's paid a heavy price um, for what he did walking out. What do you guys think about the walkout? I had always heard that it was Isaiah's idea, but I guess it was from Lambert, and, yeah. and everyone just kind of went with it. Uh, did Bill Embiid in the documentary say it was his idea? No, he's not in. He's not in the documentary, or he's not interviewed. So Isaiah says it, and they show the image of Lambeer like whispering something to Isaiah, and then they are all walking past. But I so think that I would say this before Mock chimes in. It it actually started way way earlier than that. So Isaiah Thomas and I again this is because during my childhood I did a lot of research on them. But Isaiah Thomas is from Chicago. Yep. So he, oh, he's right. Mr. Basketball in Illinois, I think back-to-back years, um, mm-hmm. was like the pride of Chicago, kind of like Derrick Rose coming out. Comes yeah. out, he goes to Indiana. He wins with Bobby Knight. So he's he's literally like, mm-hmm. gonna, this guy's going to bring or put Chicago on the map. So he was doing his thing, and he was you know one of the top five, Ten players at the time, I think it was all bird and magic. But Isaiah was there as second tier, and he visited his family, and I think either his cousin or nephew, this is back in Chicago, was wearing a Jordan jersey and Isaiah <laughs> Thomas jersey. I mean, honestly, you're Chicago, you're gonna, you're gonna like, you're gonna rep your team, and at the time, Michael Jordan was on your team, so you're gonna rep Jordan. But that really pissed off Isaiah, and ever since then. Um, he just felt like, okay, F this guy. I'm Chicago, not Jordan. And then I think it just perpetuated throughout the years. I think the whole all-star thing was overblown because uh, I, I've talked to Mock about this. I have, like, at least four or five all-star game tapes filmed <laughs> a year. And the, the one in 93 really sticks out to me because Isaiah and Michael were actually really friendly in that game. Isaiah was mm. a star, starting point guard. And I, of, of course, this is like years after Jordan made it as an uh, as a rookie, and they like black you know blacklisted him or whatnot. But it just it just seemed like the, 
it was more media driven like it was being made more than it was in terms of the of the all-star drama i don't know about the actual like hatred but it i mean what's watching the, watching my know what what's the all-star drama you're talking about the jordan, dream team right no so jordan jordan made it as a rookie and he was the first one to make it as a rookie since like moses maybe magic made it but Isaiah, it didn't sit well with Isaiah. So the oh, whole the whole um, theory is that Isaiah, who was the starting point guard for the East, never passed him the ball on purpose. Oh, okay. Got and, it. The initial freeze-out game. Yeah, okay. That's what it was. Yeah. And then, like, that All-Star game, and then the year later was the Jordan dunk contest in Chicago. He becomes, mm-hmm. like, you know, the chosen one in Chicago. And then when the Dream Team happened in 92 – the Olympic Committee actually went to Jordan, and this has been confirmed. And Jordan says, I'll play if you guys don't invite Isaiah. And that got out. And so that's why the hatred and all that. But it's crazy, man. It's like so it's NBA Twitter, but in the early 90s, you know? These guys are so I, I, I salty. Love I, I yeah. love the rivalry, uh, even though, you know, I hate watching these Pistons and all those plays, the montage that you guys talked about. And I, I do agree with, with Albert. Like, I wish there was more, like, on-the-court stuff, like, new stuff. Uh, but one thing that I really did appreciate was just the new interviews from Jordan and Thomas right now. And you can tell, like, there's still bad blood there. And and that's fine. It, it, but I think it's about respect, right? There's a certain respect, a certain sportsmanship. Like, you don't walk off on a team after everything, especially after all that history. Um, and, and Jordan put it himself, like they lost him multiple times before that. And they always went on and shook their hands. Like it's, it's just a sign of respect that was turned into like a slap in the face. And so it definitely rose me in the wrong way. Is it less of a slap if it happened to Detroit the year before when Boston walked out on them? Cause I don't know anything about that story, but the, the actual highlight that they showed during a documentary of bird. And yeah. Pe- I- I, I listened to it looked like they were walking out during the I game. I listened to somebody's podcast about that. I don't know who it was. Um, some NBA media person. I wish I could um, say it, but they it, it might have been like Sam Smith, the the Chicago writer who did Jordan Rules. I think maybe not him, but somebody mentioned that actually the year before in Boston, it was like with seven or eight seconds left, and the crowd was kind of going crazy too, and so they had to like announce it on the speakers, like, "Hey, this game is not over yet." So it was like kind of getting so crazy. That's why they left um, early. That that's what they were saying. It wasn't like like just a, a disrespectfully thing. There was like there was a reason behind it. Crazy. Um, Jordan just didn't even want to hear anything, man. No excuses. Oh, yeah. Even, yeah, even when he was watching Isaiah on the <laughs> okay. Isaiah, it's such goes, a good directing thing. Isaiah Isaiah thing. goes knowing what I know now, and Jordan. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it's, a, it's a meme already. Yeah. It's so great. Um, that and just like, I, I think just seeing the reactions live is so great. They did that earlier in the episode too, when they talked about Rodman or maybe the previous episode where they talked about Rodman leaving for 24 hours or 48 got, hours. Uh, Jordan, they, yeah. Yeah. Well, they got Jordan, I think Pippen and Phil and they all were just like, he didn't come back. <laughs> it was just so great how they just like watched it. Um, Pippen's like skinnier, right? Post-recruitment. Post-recruitment. Yeah. Like yeah. He's in shape. So, Yeah. You know who's not skinnier? Horace, Horace Grant, Grant, man. Holy cow. Straight oh up bitches. God. Yeah. <laughs> I had the best line. Yeah, that, was the line. line. that was the line of the night for sure. It was, it was good because uh, 
I don't know if you guys have noticed, but the music I think has been awesome in this too. And I think the music while he was playing that was like a really like uh, like a really calm, serene, like quiet music. <laughs> and so it just yeah. I don't know. It, it didn't really fit, but I thought it was perfect. Um, all right, so I I'm interested now. Like, what's next? We got six more episodes to go. Um, what do you guys think is in the next episode? Did they tease it at all? I, I'm, if I, if they did, I might have missed it. Because I know they had teased the bad boys, you know, two weeks ago. But I don't know. I, I just hear, um, you know, I heard a rumor that Kobe has new interviews from like last year that are going to be part of at least some some of the episodes going forward. But um, I guess maybe you talk about the 91 and 92 finals or 92 and 93 finals. Rather. Yeah, so this is very misleading, right? Because the documentary is called The Last Dance, and it's supposed to be just on the last right. year, last final year, but it's gone through so much of the history, which is awesome. I'm not complaining. Um, and I agree with you, Mark. Like, it could be about the 91 finals or like the first time they win. I just, I don't know, because it's it's more than just the final year. Because if we were talking about final year and we're, we're going down like the pecking order of what the importance was, you know, after Rodman and Phil, then, I mean, maybe Tony Kukoc that last year was up there. I think he won sixth man of the year. Um, I don't know. It's it's hard. Like, no, no, no. I got it. I got it. I got it. Just, go just, her? Yeah, and, I, I got it covered, guys. So ooh. I told you guys last week it was going to be Rodman and Phil. I think this week is going to be about um, the, the next two titles, so the th- first three-peat. And it's going to go deep into his dad because his dad is going to pass away, right? And then going to get into all the gambling stuff into retirement so i think it's that whole stretch from 92 to 94 uh, the, before he comes back huh it's not the last dance it's the yeah the, i mean none of these none of this has been the last dance it, it all is going to go back and forth like they're going to get further into the last dance season but it's not going to be it's not going to be about did you, that did you guys like imagine just going back in that time in 93 when michael jordan is the most famous person on earth right he just won olympics he won three straight finals yeah and, and like out of nowhere his dad gets run down by a car and gets murdered like just imagine that happening today it's uh, that's insane like lebron james's mom out of nowhere gets murdered by someone and you know there's a lot of rumors about it whether it's gambling related debt related um and that's why he quit and retired or Maybe Stern was going to find him and suspend him. Like, there's so many rumors about it, but just the the actual fact of his dad getting run down in a car and getting murdered is just, like, crazy to me. Yeah, a lot of factors. There, there was a uh, there's a passing shot in, I think, episode four, uh, right after they won the championship against, you know, Magic Johnson and, and the locker room. There's a passing, like... A, really quick shot of uh jordan's dad in the background and dude it caught me by surprise because there's like an angle of him that looks so much like michael and it was it's crazy to think about oh where he's watching um, in the back yeah yeah but then he yeah. but then he comes in and embraces him too right that was yeah. they're talking about the emotions that poured out yeah, yeah. i mean that um, picture that picture is like burned in my mind yeah yeah with him just holding the trophy and crying like that's yeah yeah. I, I, right. I had forgotten until uh, episode four that they even who they played in that first finals. Like I the, that Magic Johnson overlap just completely cr- passed through. This me. is yeah. all, all new for Mark. It's, it's new for me. Yeah. 
was a it was a domination four one. Yeah, four yeah. one. Four straight after the first last two. All right, uh, let's let's wrap this up. We're going to come back next week with episodes five and six of The Last Dance. Thanks for joining Six Pints Podcast. As always, uh, we want to shout out our last sponsor, Tasty Tales in Richardson, Texas. They're yes. still doing uh, takeout and delivery. Uh, it's crawfish season. They have all sorts of specials, I think, $6 crawfish. Uh, Albie, you probably ordered from there recently and, and will again. So um, check out Tasty Tales in Richardson, Texas. They have some delicious lobster po'boys and oyster po'boys on their menu. So thanks for joining Six Pennies Podcast as always, and uh, we'll be back next week. Thanks, guys.